are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Welcome to today's Steve Dace Show podcast here on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, powered by CRTV. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here as well. Quick little housekeeping item. After today, we are off for the rest of the weekend uh, with Labor Day coming, taking one last little bit of vacation before the uh, the fall busy season, the fall rush begins. You know, we're all excited about the start of football season here on the show, obviously. But you know what that also means, guys? Like tomorrow, it's going to be like Christmas because that's how this time of year works. It's going to go by really fast. It goes by oh. extremely fast. It is the most wonderful time of the year. A little chill in the air this morning when I got up, took a note of the gym before school. Oh, could smell the fall. Soon the leaves change. The candy for Halloween. You know me, I'm a Christmas slappy. What are we, 115 days, I think, until Christmas or something like that? Somewhere around. You started there. the clock? Oh, I started it December 26th. We went to Disney World several years ago. I bought the one keepsake I bought was this little uh, Mickey and Minnie uh, Christmas countdown thing that's on the mantle in our, or it's on the entertainment center in our family room. Little craft with blocks that you update, you know, for the Christmas countdown. And we have been literally updating it since the day after Christmas, and we do that every year. Wow. I am. I'm a Christmas slap. I love it, man. I love it. I'm Christmas. You're looking at me like you're very disappointed. No, it's just another layer. I already knew you're a Christmas slappy, and I appreciate the slappiness, but I had no idea, like, they, that instantly. Oh, when the time comes, man, I will watch every Rankin Bass special from back in the day. I'm in. Just, I love it. Well, I'm I love totally when, in. And you've told us the roots of that, and it's a, it is a good story. And it goes back to... Uh, you, yeah, you know, I, mean, Charlie, I, I didn't have the best family life when right. I was growing up, and... The one time of year that I'll, that uh, Dave would set his psychoses aside was this time of year, you know? And, um, I mean, we had the best Christmases, and we did everything Christmassy you could possibly imagine, you know? So that's just sort of carried over for me as an adult. I, I just, I'm, you, can't, you can't play the Christmas music early enough for me well, let me rephrase that. I mean, let's not bust it out, you know, right after Labor Day, okay? But, you know, I'm fine if you started. I used to remember those Time Life uh, Christmas music collection ads we used to see when we were kids on television. I think so. And they would come out like October 1. Like, I'm good with that. Yeah, that's wrong. I'm totally good with it. At the very least, if you want to start at November 1, the day after Halloween, I'm totally cool. I'm totally in. I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> okay, then. Never mind. For Christmas? <laughs> Always hungry. I can't even remember now. Did I give out the email address and everything? Did I do that? Steve at Steve Dace. Yeah, Steve at SteveDace.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow Aaron us on Twitter. Steve Dace. 
Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. We just finished today's television show, our weekly visit from our prophet of woe and lamentation, uh, Daniel Horowitz, joined us. What else, What about uh, today's show do you guys want to tease for the audience? If they haven't used promo code DACE yet to take advantage of that free trial to try out CRTV, uh, if you, and if you stick around, you, you won't just get a free trial with that promo code, but if you stick around, then you'll get a discounted subscription to CRTV, not just for our show, but all of the shows we do here. You can try it today, promo code DACE. What do you guys want to tease about today's show for people that maybe want to try that out today? Uh, Todd was made speechless. Um at one point on a hill he tends to die on. Yes. That's, that's all I'm giving Yeah, don't give anything else away. But yes, this needs to be seen. Did did I score points for yes. being speechless? Yes. All right. Good. You recognize that, you know. Well, you just got to watch it. That's indefensible. Yeah. You couldn't defend that. You recognize that. And I say without giving it away that my immersion in this thing, I have those moments all the time when I'm when you're like really when i'm taking yes really all the time so really yes yes it it, it it is the it is the equivalent and it happens in every game all the time in the male version of the colin kaepernick kneeling during the super bowl it's just it's absurd um but moving on to something equally as depressing it was it, it it's undeniable it was another it's worse than you think it is spectacular through it and through the entire show. Yeah, um, we won't spoil it. There is a moment where Daniel attempts to offer a sliver of optimism. And we just And by said, the end of the program, we have snuffed we buried that light under a, under a blanket. Who did he think he was? <laughs> That's right. Daniel went all this little light of mine and we were like, uh, <laughs> no you're not. Not on Wednesday. <laughs> All right, so you can check that out today on CRTV. I want to Can I read you guys something before we start? Sure. Today's uh, Worldview Wednesday. Is it about something. Christmas? It is not about Christmas, okay? But I'm happy to do that because you know I love me some Christmas, right? I want to tell you a story about a man named Raymond Foley. Now, this is a true story, by the way. No, and I mean, not like true story, bro. I mean, like, it's a true story based on real events, okay? If you don't know the sad story of Raymond Foley... At the time of this story, he was 59 years old. And what happened to him is terrible. And it made him one of America's greatest victims. And I understand that in past eras that are less enlightened and tolerant as our current gilded age, Raymond Foley might be considered like a menace to society or something. Maybe even a creep. You know, if we still used antiquated words like that, of course. But we know better now. We know people just can't control their urges. And to demand otherwise is a Neanderthal concept that is, you know, right out of the stone tablet age. See, Raymond Foley was born with something that compels him to act out in ways some segments of our society, you know, those that are still bitterly clinging to their guns and their Bibles, would condemn. But what Foley doesn't need is judgment. Raymond Foley, he needs understanding. 
See, Raymond Foley was charged with second-degree mischief for simply being who he is, who he was made to be. You may be wondering, who is Raymond Foley? Raymond Foley is a chair wetter. According to police in Iowa, Foley was looking up his fellow female employees in the Farm Bureau Company database. If he found the woman attractive, he would then go to her desk after hours and urinate on her empty chair. This is definitely not about Christmas. (laughs) I'm not hungry anymore. (laughs) But you are strangely thirsty, right? Uh, uh. Listen, man. Listen, man. You step all over my phallus, I'm freaking crushing yours. All right? That's how it works around here. I don't even know what that means, but okay. (laughs) Let's continue. See, for months, several female employees were complaining about a strange scent emanating from their office chairs at the Iowa Farm Bureau. Eventually, it was discovered that the smell was that of urine. After some testing, it was revealed. The urine belonged to Mr. Foley. Once forced to come out of the closet, Foley clearly felt like the weight of the world had been lifted off his shoulders because he voluntarily surrendered to police. No longer having to hide who he is, Foley is willing to accept responsibility for his admittedly odd actions. We can only hope that Foley will, um, uh, you know what? No, he doesn't need, he doesn't need help. I was going to say we we can only hope that Foley would seek help. But no, Foley should seek to raise awareness for others like him. He's a trailblazer. Like Rosa Parks, you know, like that. I know she was famous for not wanting to sit in the last chair. He's famous for wedding in the very first one. That's because Foley is just the most high-profile example of the latest progressive form of self-expression. Foley is like an increasing number of Americans. He's discovered he has a urination orientation. Shamed by society, folks like Foley have been forced to act on their urges in the shadows. Back alleys, even. Sometimes they have to urinate back there when no one's watching. Whether it's urinating on empty chairs or perhaps even overindulging their senses via depictions of urination on adult websites, Foley and others like him are being denied their right to urinate. It is, after all, the way they were made. All of us have the desire to urinate. It is part of our base nature. But where does someone else get off, so to speak, Telling someone else what form that urination must take. Or even where that urination should take place. Laws that deny public expression of urination are just another example of the government regulating what we do with our own bodies. Until these laws are repealed and people like fully affirmed their right to urinate on whichever consenting adult or inanimate object they choose, none of us can trust our rights will be defended. For if one group is denied their freedom, then it's just a matter of time before straight shooters, if you will, 
slang for those who prefer to urinate into toilets or on them, you know, depending on their aim. They will also be threatened. Some of you are sure to be offended by what Foley has done. But how dare you judge Foley until you've walked a mile in his shoes or at least spent some time in his chair. Besides, someone cannot change the way they were born. Thus, it's not right to shun Foley simply for acting on his nature. The chairs were empty, remember. And surely the urine dried by the time the women returned to work the next morning. Foley wasn't doing anything that harmed anybody else, and it's not like you can spread some disease via airborne urine. If that reasoned argument doesn't persuade you, then answer this simple question. How has Foley being able to act on his urination orientation negatively impacted your urination? If it hasn't impeded your stream of consciousness, see what I did there? Then what Foley is doing is none of your business. And you should urinate when and where you choose and permit Foley to do the same. Granted, the chairs Foley was urinating on were someone else's property, but that's simply because neither his employer nor the government provided the means by which Foley could properly apply his urination orientation. If Foley had access to chairs pretty girls once set on to urinate on, he wouldn't have had to urinate on the chairs he actually did. That's not even addressing the fact that if the government doesn't provide Foley chairs to urinate in, he'll continue doing it after hours in chairs that could be faulty. Faulty chairs may collapse, thus putting Foley in jeopardy. We don't want people being harmed by collapsing chairs in back hallways, do we? That's exactly why the state ought to be providing those chairs for Foley and others like him. It could potentially save lives, not to mention some chairs, which would also be good for the environment, by the way. Then the state shouldn't then the state should make sure the next generation of kids in our school schools do not succumb to the same intolerance and lack of diversity towards urination orientation that their fundamentalist parents and grandparents have victimized folks like Foley with. Furthermore, The company Foley used to work for should not only give him his job back, but also provide employees such as Foley urination stations to be utilized when the urges strike. Pardon me. Of course, adding language to the company diversity curriculum, informing Foley's co-workers of the vital necessity of recognizing urination orientation in the workplace and the important contributions to society urinators have made throughout human history. I mean, think of how many important people in history have been bedwetters, for example, should be immediate actions any good corporate citizen would immediately agree to. Given the fact a company like Farm Bureau would prefer to avoid looking like an agent of intolerance in the media... I'm confident it will do all of those things. Now, some of you hearing this, you will bristle at recognizing both the normalcy and necessity of people like Foley being affirmed and accepted for just being who they are. But many of you also bristled at things 20 years ago you're readily accepting now, or at least tired of fighting over. Nevertheless, even if those questioning or struggling with their urination orientation aren't accepted by your generation, rest assured they will be by your children once we're through enlightening them. 
Soon you will see more urination in your classrooms. And all of the best and most likable characters on your most popular television shows will urinate freely on screen. We'll even have clergy arguing that the Bible affirms urination in all of its forms. And we'll have a pioneer like Foley to thank for all of it. Who knows? Maybe Sean Penn will even play the part of Foley in his biopic one day. And now it's time for Worldview Wednesday. I personally believe elitism, Marxism, atheist, government intervention, secular humanist, liberals and conservatives, materialism, nihilism, U.S. Americans, Christian, globalist, socialist, democracy. Worldview, as the word suggests, is how we look at the world around us. How do we understand life as it hits us in the face? Libertarian. Tea Partier. The free market. Nobody is without a worldview. The only question is, is it a good one or a bad one? So it becomes the glasses, the spectacles, the filter through which they're actually seeing life. And the whole universe and the world and human life is understood through that lens. This is Steve Dace. And this is Worldview Wednesday here on the Steve Day Show podcast powered by CRTV. This is your college philosophy class on the podcast. And we've been going through this series based on my 2014 book, Rules for Patriots, How Conservatives Can Win Again, to see how much of this now applies or can be reapplied in today's convoluted political environment where the sides aren't as clearly drawn as maybe we once thought they were even just a few years ago and we're going through what's really the nuts and bolts of this book what i call the 10 commandments of political warfare gentlemen and today we're discussing commandment number five this week reverse the premise of your opponent's argument and use it against him now, you may be wondering, why did I tell you the story of Raymond Foley, which is a true story. There was a man named Raymond Foley, 59 years old, an employee at Farm Bureau that was busted for urinating on the chairs of his coworkers. That story is true. What I did with that story is take many of the premises being asserted on various other issues in our culture today and reversed those premises and used it against our opponents to hoist them from their own petards, as I did here with the story of Raymond Foley. Do you think we can still do that today, Todd? That's what I was going to turn around and ask you. But first, thank you for once again being on the right side of history to start <laughs> off this show. Uh, this is as fun as it gets when you like engaging in debate. Uh, you you need not hate you you need not uh, get uh, crazy and in somebody's face to simply use Socratic dialogue to break down an argument and if you are good at this the entire tenor of a debate can change and will change quickly because usually it doesn't take nearly as many steps as it even takes in Plato's Republic to break down you mean steve you you broke down this argument like in the first couple sentences and then you just had some fun with yes. it and played it out yes but n now to get to your point though laws of nature and nature's god laws of nature that that's reason 
I, I don't know if if you can do this to people and have done it to people, but they aren't shamed by it. They aren't intellectually on us to want to rectify their situation because they don't want to be dumb. Uh, then, while in the near term, in this moment you have with these people, you you may ultimately have scoreboard. But if they don't walk away in mass, if they aren't ashamed by this, if they aren't wanting to fixate on something that is actually true, if they aren't repentant of their intellectual sins, mm -hmm. I, I'm saying in, in multiple ways, but, but, but the answer is I don't think it does matter in the same way that it really doesn't matter that we have a constitution right now because no one cares that it exists. They only use it as a tool to get what they want, but they will ignore it at every turn. If you Now take that writ large. If you just will ignore reason whenever it turns down what you want, but you will only use reason uh, in a debate if it gets you what you want. Yes. Reason is null and void. Here's why, even if this scenario you're outlying is true, and, and there's a possibility that it is, here's why this is still a useful tool. Because it reveals that. When you take a flawed argument and turn it turn its flaws on itself and thus allow it to consume itself it's it, it's turning the parasite on itself turn it, having piranhas instead of consuming chum in the water consuming one another that's, no more hiding places yes then. yes everything's out in the open now yes if that's where we are then get out before the sulfur falls and don't look back, right? But but wouldn't you like to know where we are? I think I think one of the reasons Daniel did say this today on the TV show that I, we all agreed with. We have to we have to acknowledge the truth whether it's uncomfortable or not. And he said that to me in in response to a question I asked him that I'm I was uncomfortable even asking the question because it goes against my default settings and the way that I'm wired. In the way that, you know, in, in the family I come from, it's not like me to be cynical or, or skeptical of the motivations and ideologies of American generals. That's just not how I roll. Okay. So it's got to be pretty blatant for me to even, I mean, that's, we all have our built-in biases. That's one of mine. So it's got to be pretty blatant for me to even, even, to even want to be exposed to it let alone to, to mull it over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. And, and he, what did he say? Hey, we have to, we have to, the only way we're going to get out of this is to be fully immersed and exposed to the truth. And if this level of winsomeness, you know, the old D.L. Moody line, you guys have heard me quote for years, when you win some, you win some, okay? When, and if this level of winsomeness you know, in the spirit of a Chesterton and in the spirit of a of a of a C.S. Lewis, if if of a Will Rogers, if that doesn't force people to blink their eyes a few times and like, wow, guess I never thought it. You know, thought it. You know, if that doesn't get through the wiring, then you recognize this is a holistic event. It's a systemic event. And prepare yourself accordingly. But at least then we would know. 
And this is a level of argumentation, and I, I tried as best I could not to use Reagan examples in my book. Because one of the points I make early on in Rules for Patriots is, as much as I love Ronald Reagan, he should have been the vanguard of a movement, not, not its zenith. It's like conservative, the conservative movement is stillborn. It cannot move beyond the Reagan era. All right? When were you born, Aaron? 93. Aaron wasn't even alive. You guys hear the wisdom? I know we tease him about his youth, but on a serious note, you hear the wisdom he, he displays on our show on a daily basis. Indeed. He was not even alive when Reagan left the national stage. He wasn't a gleam in the eye. His mom and dad haven't, hadn't, hadn't even looked at each other yet and said, let's go have a kid. When Reagan left the national stage, and yet we constantly a party of Reagan, what would Reagan do? Why don't we just argue, what would Coolidge do? What do you Coolidge would do right now? I mean, we should, you know, how dumb does that sound? Dumb, because he stopped being president in like 1928, okay? But, but that's where we are as a movement. That's how vacuous our leadership has been since then. But the one place in the book where I could not resist the tempt I could not resist the temptation, because then I would be doing the message I'm trying to convey a disservice, where I could not resist the temptation of using Reagan as the fulcrum, as the plumb line, is this commandment right here, reversing the premise. I mean, his entire experience trolling the media is that. I mean, Reagan would literally just have White House press conferences where he just turned their premises around on him. And hang on with it. One of the great examples, there's this great clip, you can find it on YouTube, of Sam Donaldson, who was, I don't want to say he was the Jim Acosta of his era, because he was actually a serious journalist, okay? Um, but he viewed himself as the number one fact checker of the Reagan era. That was his job at the, at the White House, was to hold the Reagan era, the Reagan White House's feet to the fire. And early in the Reagan White House, and we're coming out of the Carter recession, and things are actually getting worse. Because the full implementation of what Reagan was advocating with his tax cuts hadn't taken hold yet. And Reagan spends 10 minutes railing against the Democratic Congress. And finally, Sam Donaldson gets up, raises his hand, asks a question, and says, Sir, you are the President of the United States. You, you don't, you're the most powerful man in this room and in any room. You, you don't bear any of the responsibility at all for the suffering that's going on with the average American family right now. And without even batting an eye, man, not, without thinking about it, reflexive. Reagan looks at him and says, Sam, you're right. I do bear some of the responsibility because for many years, I was a Democrat. Shut him down. Just shut him down. Those moments in the New Testament... Where, where the Sanhedrin just, you, you can almost visibly see it when you read these moments. They go, oh, snap, crap. Just, they look down at their shoes, shut them, just kind of walk away, tail between their legs. It's when Christ does this. You know, I'll tell you what, I will tell you where my power to forgive sins comes from if you tell me where John the Baptist gets his power to baptize from. How you like them apples? So you first. Ah, crap. Just walk away. Returning their false premises on them, hanging them by them. And the other reason this is effective, well, this is an old Catholic tale. What's the number one thing the devil hates most of all? To be mocked. That's an old Irish Catholic tale. Number one thing the devil hates most of all is to be mocked. The one thing that, while I, while I, I, I am beyond opposed 
to the idea of taking Alinsky-esque thuggery and implementing it into conservatism because it won't work. It'll demean what we, what we stand for because we don't be, we're, we're for behavior better than that. So behaving that way undermines our own cause, right? But the one lesson we could learn from the left is, is, the, is the viciousness of humor as a, as, a, as a weapon, as a tool. Because if it's funny, people give you permission to say things they never give you permission to say if you were just you know, giving a dissertation. I learned this early, early in my radio career. Do you guys remember those crazy, funny PSAs we used to do that were just beyond brutal? Sure. Beyond yep. brutal. Okay? You know why we did those? Because when I tried to say those things in this context, people lost their minds, man. People called the station, lost their freaking minds in Iowa. Management's in a, you know, having a meltdown. They're in a fetal. We're going to lose every advertiser. So I tried humor. And many of the same people used to call and say, that shouldn't be discussed on the radio. Oh, that's funny. Can you play that? I'd have women from office buildings call me on Fridays. Hey, can you play that one Planned Parenthood PSA again? It's hilarious. Now, if I said those exact things in a serious intellectual context, they'd find it repulsive or unsettling. But if I made them laugh, if I took the, the, the banal, the fallacy, the, the, the jackassery that's being asserted here, and I put it in, that, in, a, in a context of humor that they could see, it's disarming. And often it's a far better disarming weapon than the dissertation is, than the lecture is, than the sermon is. Humor is a powerful weapon. Well, do we see example? This is one area where I disagree with Chesterton. He said, we never really saw Christ's sense of humor. I completely disagree. We see it all the time. Where do you think references to, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? What do you think that is? Now, now there's different kinds of humor. That's not, knee, that's not a knee slapper, but that's what we're talking about here. Colloquialisms, expressions, euphemisms, over-the-top sarcasm in order to illustrate a point. Can you pass, pass? Are there rich people in heaven? Right now, guys, are there rich people in heaven? Yes. Has a camel ever passed through the eye of a needle ever? No. No, so right away, already, this is what we call a pun. It's sarcasm. See what I'm trying to say? Sure. It's not meant to be taken as a literal statement. He's making an extreme statement of absurdity to illustrate the absurd. The general point is, it is difficult for a man to leave behind that which, he, that which ties him to the world. And the more tied he is to the world, and the more the world has rewarded those ties, the harder it is for him to walk away. But he's not literally comparing it to a camel passing through. The, that's not a philosophical dissertation or equation. It's a pun. It's what it is. And I think this is, a, this is a weapon we need to use more often. It's why when I was on HLN today, one of the things they asked me was, well, what's your issue with, with, what's your issue with Ivanka Trump going with, Trump, go, going with her, her dad on a speech about tax cuts? You know, I, I suppose I, could, I, I called her a progressive. I suppose I could explain to the audience, you know, but I don't have a lot of time to go into her progressive viewpoint, so here's what I said instead. Also, I said this knowing my audience, because I know the host, Carol Costello, is originally from Michigan. She's a big Michigan sports fan. You go to her Twitter account. How did I find this out? Have I ever met Carol Costello? Never in a million years. The only time I've ever directly spoken to her is via satellite on her show. I did this thing called homework. 
It's amazing, really. And it was it was really complicated. I like went to her Twitter page, and you know what it said? Fan of the Lions, Tigers, and Wolverines. That's why that's how I found out, guys. I did just a modicum of homework to get to know my audience, just a smidge, you know, just a smidge. I didn't even break a sweat. I clicked it. It clicked once. That's what I did. And I, I said, hey, we got a common bond here, right? I'm guessing, I don't want to typecast her, but I'm guessing she probably doesn't understand or agree with a lot of the presuppositions we would have against Jared, Jared and Ivanka's progressivism. So I could get down in, her, in the weeds with her about that, which would avoid me making my greater point, or because we have a commonality, I could give her an expression, a pun, a humor. A colloquialism, a euphemism, something that would get her to grasp my greater point. So what did I say? Well, Carol, Ivanka hanging out with dad reminds me with the late great football coach at Ohio State, Woody Hayes, once said about the forward pass. Three things can happen and two of them are bad. And she laughed because I made my point. Now, when you do this well and it still doesn't work, that's okay too because you know what that means? That's dust kicking off the sandals time. Grab the kids, get the hell out of Dodge, pack everything you can pack, and don't look back. But at least then you would know. At least then you would know rather than, what's so frustrating about this era we live in? The spinning of our heels on a daily basis, not knowing who's right, who's wrong, who's on the side of right, who's on the side of wrong, right? You don't know the players from a scorecard. People just flip, flop, flop teams, switch teams on a moment by moment. That's what's the most frustrating and, and grueling part of this time we live in now. It's not the opposition. It's the inconsistency. It reminds me of my childhood. It wasn't that Dave Dace was abusive. It's that on one day he would take us to Cedar Point and spare no expense. Grab a couple of beers and come out with my buddies and I while we were playing basketball and tease us about girls. And my friends would be like, man, I wish your dad was my dad. And then tomorrow, if he had one bad day at work, something I had nothing to do with, I could come home and he would just beat the living snot out of me or my mom or my brother. It was the inconsistency. It was the not knowing. That's what, feel, that's what makes you feel trapped. That's what's emotionally draining. That's what makes you feel like you're, well, I shouldn't use the expression drowning given what's going on with so many of our listeners in Texas, but you guys know where I'm going with this. Yeah. That you can't get your head above level. You can't get a foothold anywhere. That's what's so frustrating about this. Aren't you guys tired of doing the same show every day? A little bit. Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. So this device puts everybody on notice. When you take the fallacy and you hang the, uh, the fallacy with it, and if people, then you know, wouldn't you like to know, am I dealing with someone who's listening to me or Golem? You know what I'm trying to say? Sure. You know, am I talking to Baramir and Faramir here? I'll, I'll, I'll reason with Baramir and Faramir. They're, they're tempted by the ring. They want to have the ring, but there's some nobility there. That's why they haven't grabbed it from me yet. Because they kind of understand what I'm trying to say, even though they kind of want it for themselves too. All right, I'll sit there and I'll debate with them. I'll have dialogue with them. I'll try to evangelize them. I'm not, but once you go golem, I'm not having that conversation. That's a waste of my time and yours. And man, time's the one thing they ain't making more of. Know what I'm saying? that answer your question it does it's kind of a this is supposed to be and you there, that's the reason you wrote it, uh, it it's supposed to be a way of doing business on a regular basis but because we are living in an absurd world 
you might not have that possibility all the time, but it's like in my, one of my favorite shows of all time, MASH. They did meatball surgery. You know, they did enough. They closed that wound and kept the person alive and then mm-hmm. got him back to the States. Right now, we're using this for meatball sur- surgery in, in, in conversations that are planned and maybe conversations like you have regularly, Steve, when you're invited on a show like you just said, or run-ins we just have, you know, t- take those opportunities, make it the most worth your time by using these rules to conduct meatball surgery. And that way, you know how all of these relationships and relationships and the possibilities of these relationships are, are go- like going forward. Because if we know one thing now about uh, the Republican Party, look how much time we wasted by not putting these rules to play on the relationships on our own side. We never accurately vetted our own side, Steve, and we are the ones who got played. Aaron, you get the last word, brother. Yeah, I totally agree with that, uh, Todd. Uh, And humor, using humor uh, and reversing the premise of your opponent's arguments you know, it's it's one thing to do that, and we can still do that in in um, our day to day existence. We all we've talked about this. We have platforms. All of us who have social media accounts have platforms that we can use to put this principle into action. It's, it's frustrating, though, um, not to end on a bitter note, and I, I don't want to go there. But uh, it, it's frustrating, though, when you vote for people or when you see people voting for others who say they embrace what you say, but who have already accepted the premise of the opponent's arguments. That's why we, that's why we, um, you know, we sprint to the left when it seems the Democrats are in charge and we're a little bit more cautious going to the left when Republicans are in charge because Republicans en masse have accepted all the premises of, of the left's arguments. And that's why we don't see much difference when they're in our office versus when Democrats are in office as well. But there's this word I think that's overused a little bit uh, in some respects, in some some cases, but it's this word winsomeness. I, I think you can be biting and you can, as you explained, Steve, you can you can say the most vicious things, but if you can make somebody laugh while doing it, it is the most disarming it's the most disarming thing that you can, that, that, that weapon that you can have. That's what we have to be. Because if we're going to evangelize, if we truly are in evangelism mode as conservatives, then we're, the, the way our country is polarized right now, we have to have something that will disarm the opponents. Maybe nothing will, but we got to have some route to do that. Yes, and this is the perfect environment for this tool because the vast majority of people hate the system beyond even giving up hate it we just we just saw an example of this we all got a good chuckle out of the babylon bees headline today uh jesus uh, uh never said anything about uh felony home invasion you know uh, that that headline that's that's reversing the, yes. the, the premise and using it against your yes, opponent absolutely absolutely all right well said gentlemen that'll do it for today any final thoughts here before we get out for a long weekend I actually have no soccer to talk about. There, there will be none this weekend. Go Hawks. So you're an American again. Welcome back. Welcome back to America. Good to have you back. Uh, go Blue. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you again on Tuesday. Don't forget the TV show on CRTV. Until then, John 317.
is Steve Dace. I like you.